It is Cofield and Company. Just jumping into it. Steve Cofield will be along. He is in Houston getting ready for the Final Four. I will be there in a couple of days checking out all the college basketball action. We've got college basketball in town as well with the NIT tournament going on. We can get into a little of how that is going. I am preparing for the Final Four, rocking the FAU shirt today. What a story. What a story that is going on. It's a big news in women's college basketball as well as we jump right into the show. First of all, Willie, how you doing? Good. I didn't realize you were going. Oh, are you yeah. going as a fan or are you going to co- you going to get credentialed up? Uh or both. It's 50-50. I'm going I'm going to some events on the side to work. Uh obviously maybe some local people are going in the Hall of Fame potentially. Uh so yeah, but I am an FAU fan. <laughs> local you know. people or one in particular? Big. Big FAU fan, so yes, uh, I am. Uh, I'm going down there to check out the games and watch FAU win the national title. I think everybody should be an FAU fan, unless you are from Stores, unless you are from San Diego, unless you're from Miami. Other than that, and even if you're in Miami, you could be cheering for the Owls. Well, I'll disagree and make the case again that uh, any success for a conference opponent is good for UNLV. They get the share, the NCAA tournament share, so I think... Fans should probably, local fans here should probably well, cheer for San Diego you're State. You're saying all the all the Mountain West cities should be cheering for San Diego State. Yeah, I think so. I think you should be cheering for your conference only because, look, I get it as a Big Ten fan. Like I don't like to see, you know, as a fan of Michigan, I don't like to see Ohio State do well. But in the end, when they do, it's good for the conference because. Well, I don't think that conference is starving for money. No, but I, every, I get every bit point. helps. Yeah, but in general. I won't be char- I, I'll be cheering for Florida Atlantic, and it's not because I'm cheering against San Diego State. It's more so just that it's the best story there. And we should mention Steve is in Houston. As you said, he'll be along in a little bit. Uh, he's there thanks to Finley Subaru of Las Vegas, Rainbow and 215, and online at SubaruofLasVegas.com. And Paul Law. it's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. That's how Steve is down there. Uh, and again, we'll get to him in a little bit, but let's get to it. No? Okay, we won't. I thought we had to do it with the sounder. We don't. We're good. We're okay. There you go. There. It's the three on Cofield and Company. That better. Yeah. Uh, we need normalcy, Ari. Yes. Trying to, trying to find normalcy on the show, even when Steve is not around. Uh, Caitlin Clark won the Naismith National Player of the Year Award uh, she defeated reigning winner Aaliyah Boston of South Carolina. You pose the question: Is Caitlin Clark the best player in either Final Four? I do. I do pose that question pound for pound. Right? It's just like when when we talk about boxers or in in your world in your beat the UFC. Doesn't matter the whether it's a featherweight or a heavyweight, whatever the highlight division is. We always talk about the pound for pound best and. Man, Caitlin Clark is just a fantastic story all around um, and what she's doing and the fact that she's a junior and has one more year ahead of her. We've been talking about it the past couple of days on the show in terms of how much money she could make from NIL as opposed to going pro, leaving early. Um, But I have to wonder if she's going to break some of Sabrina Ionescu's triple-double marks. Um I'm not sure where she ranks. I'll have to look that up as far as um, how far back she is of Kelsey Plum, the all-time scoring leader. But um, I think that she's 
providing a fantastic storyline. And I love the storylines of both Final Fours. You know, that the, the non-traditionals in, in the women's game are not there, that being Stanford, UConn, Tennessee. I mean, South Carolina's back, and they've been a power. But, um, but Caitlin Clark, I don't know if you watched the, the game the other night, um, the Elite Eight game. And, and where she put up a 40-point triple-double, first time ever in men's or women's. I believe first time ever 30-point triple-double in men's or women's. But uh, I love watching her play. And and uh, well-deserved. All due respect, Aaliyah Boston's going to be fun to cover when she comes here, you know, with the WNBA team. Who knows? Maybe she'll end up being on the Aces. Wasn't well, every good player in the league on the Aces? Well, they yeah, you know, Mark Davis has become – because if he could build the same kind of, if he could build the roster and be as successful in the NFL, then you know fans might be happy. But um, they're though they're both going to be fun. And and you know what? It's it, if you've become an Aces fan and you jumped on the bandwagon from the parade last year and the championship run, then you should be tuned in to a fantastic women's final four because these ladies are going to be playing throughout the. You know, a lot of them are going to be playing in the WNBA and with the Aces or against them. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously, the the South Carolina Iowa game is the one that is going to have the most eyes on it yep. because it is you know Boston versus Clark and Iowa versus the dominant team in the league. And you know, I I feel like it's the best game we could have had in the women's tournament, but I also don't feel like it's going to be a good game. So we'll see. Hopefully, Iowa can somewhat keep it close and make it exciting. I just don't know that that's going to happen, uh, but it could be fun. And I did see. A number today. Now, of course, it's not a fair comparison, but uh, that the women's Final Four tickets are more expensive than the men's. Well, the men's playing a stadium. The what? The men playing a stadium. Yeah. There's like four times as many people that are going, and some seats are a mile away. So, I mean, it's not fair. It's it's not a fair comparison. You'd have to sort of go to maybe inside the stadium to where, right, wherever the women's are being played. You know what I'm saying? So, so the distance and the furthest they may be well, sitting even, might be. Yeah, even then, it's not even that fair of a comparison, just because you would you would say, well, the the demand is still different. Whatever. It's the bottom line is there is an excitement about the women's game, but don't you know? Don't let that diminish. Sometimes I think when we're talking about and hyping up, you know, a certain thing, then you're diminishing something else. Don't let that diminish how awesome the men's final four could be. Absolutely. Also, uh, but which yeah. I which I have been saying since. Monday, my opinion is this is the best Final Four ever. We'll see how the games play out. I mean, I do think Connecticut's a pretty dominant team and could make it ugly, could make a Final Well, and I don't mean by competition, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I don't mean by competition. What I'm saying is in that, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, you're going down there. The storylines that, you know, with with all these teams, I mean, UConn – is an old power that's now coming back. We, last week we were talking about how is the Big East, have they dropped to being a mid-major because you got the Xavier's, the Butler's, the Cradens, the, the teams that have joined that and the teams that have fallen off. When we think of mid, when we think of Big East being a major, we think of Georgetown, St. John's, the old 80s and 90s. Are they a mid-major? UConn's bringing that back, and, and they're doing some things that I don't think a lot of people saw in terms of the domination that they're playing with. And then the other three storylines with Miami, with Florida Atlantic, with San Diego State, I just think it from you know from a storyline standpoint, it makes for a fantastic Final Four where a lot of people would be completely opposite only because, you know what, you're not familiar with the teams. And just because you're not familiar doesn't make it 
a bad Final Four. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, as we said, we mentioned the ticket prices, lowest ticket prices ever for a Final Four. Um, obviously, the uh, the city of Houston and the venue maybe got pretty unlucky that Texas didn't make it in because yeah. uh, it would have been a massive Texas presence down there. But um, I think half of South Florida may be coming uh, well, to and, this. And Houston, because Houston was top seeded. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah. But, I mean, Texas – had the game they were, right they, they were yeah, there they yeah, had the game sure. won, yeah, uh, and didn't make it so um you know obviously a little bit unfortunate in that regard but it should be still a great time and of course the great storylines like hey if Jim Laranega wins or even if he doesn't he could retire and then Dusty May could take over the job right down the road two teams are in the final four you could see that happen uh, the NIT here in Vegas this week is just a a mishmash of coaches that look like they're taking other jobs yeah um, how that's working out. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, we'll get into some numbers about the Conference USA also uh, later on. How because, about the Conference USA? Yeah. Uh, and it's no longer Conference USA, so it's good for another conference because all the teams that are doing well in Conference USA are leaving and yeah. going somewhere else next year. So uh, that's interesting, but certainly the Florida Atlantic storyline, uh, a big one going into the Final Four. And a big storyline in the NFL right now is the Aaron Rodgers saga. It continues. It sounds like there's at least somewhat of a framework of a deal uh, that is getting closer. Now, it sound, it also sounded like both sides, uh, when they talked at the owners' meeting the last couple of days, were nowhere really close uh, to finalizing anything. But the framework could be there. There's just some potential holdups, which I think makes some sense when you really get into them. Now, the report came out. From Yahoo, Charles Robinson uh, reported it, Mm -hmm. who anybody that listens to the Pat McAfee show will get this, but uh, he is not homeless. He's not homeless. He's fine. Uh, There's a running joke on the show because he did a a spot on Zoom one day from in his car and it looked like he had all of his stuff and was moving somewhere uh, in his car. That is not not the case. Uh, But he reported that it looks like they're close to making some sort of deal uh, with two second-round picks, second-round pick for each of the next two seasons going from the Jets to the Packers. Mm. That makes sense. It's along the lines of where we thought it could be. Um, that seems about right. Now, the issue is how long is Aaron Rodgers going to play? How many more seasons does he have left? And I know that was an issue for the Raiders when they were kicking the tires on the deal and uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers came out and kind of mentioned the Raiders as a possibility of where he would go to when he announced that he wanted to go to the Jets. The issue is the Jets say, okay, here's two second-round picks is fine. But how long is he going to be here? If he's only playing for one year, that doesn't really make sense. Also, what if he does stay around? Could we then say if he leaves, then it downgrades? Or if it if he doesn't come back for next year, then it you know, potentially changes what the pick would be. It's essentially the give back option uh, on the pick that is at stake because a second round pick for this year, no problem. I think the Jets would run to give that up and make that happen. <clears throat> but that second second round pick, if he's not there next year, that does become an issue. So, uh, will they make some sort of deal that um, if he plays one year, that it's only one second round pick? If he plays one year, then they maybe it's a second-round pick and then a fifth-round pick next year. But if he plays one year and makes the playoffs for the Jets, then does it become a first-round pick next year? <clears throat> All of those things are at option are options that are still being talked about. But it sounds like the framework of two second-round picks for Aaron Rodgers 
is essentially in place. With the condition, you know, obviously just a condition on that on neck of what next year turns into. Well, it sounds um, like the it, Packers don't want any conditions. That's that's the it's it's hey, here's two second round picks, we're done. Right, that's we're, what I'm saying. We're finished. Yeah, yeah. The Jets want conditions which would include maybe maybe a give back if he doesn't play, and also maybe we give you something extra if he does play and does play very well, then you get an extra pick out of it. Um, but the Packers seem, sound like they just want, like, we just want the certainty, two picks, let's move on. Uh, and the Jets want to make some conditions on it. So it does sound like it's going to get done sooner rather than later. I do still believe the pressure is on the Jets here because the Packers have decided they're moving on one way or the other. Uh, the Jets have to get a deal done. So I would imagine that they're the ones that are going to fold or bend at some point and make this work. But we'll stay tuned to that, find out how close they are to potentially making a deal and continue again. Steve Cofield will be here from Houston in the Final Four. As we continue, Cofield and company will be with us later. NFL season is over, but no worries. You can listen to all Vegas Vipers home games on Raider Nation Radio 920 and streaming live at lvsportsnetwork.com. It is Cofield and company back with you. Steve down at the Final Four in Houston will be with us in a little bit. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez taking you through until then miles simmons coming up pro football talk also justin Watkins, our good friend coming up in just a few minutes as well to talk all things going on in the league world maybe a little vgk as well uh you hear mike tannenbaum there uh discussing situations with uh some quarterbacks around the league some potential moves that could happen uh i guess first of all you sounded like you were you were cool. You thought it's about to get done with the Packers and the Jets with Rodgers. I was just going. I was reading the the Florio story from Pro Football Talk, and just that they were making progress. Um, whether or not, I guess Miles can fill us in even more, but I'm not sure if that is the case. How close? I just personally think, Adam, that I have felt this week that this is the week they want to get it done because they're all together in the same city. You sort of, I mean, you could avoid one another, yes, but at the same token, it's not like, let's send some emails, let's try to get on a conference call, we're in each other's cities, you got your own timetable there, you're sort of all focused on the somewhat of the same agendas, you know, owners are meeting for meetings, whatever it is that they're doing, they're meeting with the media, everybody's there, your whole t- your team, your, you, you know, the people that you need are there. So I think it's a good spot for them to hash it out, get it done. And I especially think that Packers obviously want to get it done before the uh to, before the draft because they want to have their picks in place. Well, and the Jets would want to I I really don't know if the Packers care. I don't think that they matter for a second round pick. I, I it's the Jets that need him in to start learning the offense and working with people and getting into mini camps and that sort of thing. And we're not there yet. We're a couple weeks away from that happening, but it's close. And it so is. before that is he's when I think build, you want. He's got to build chemistry. He's obviously going to be familiar with Hackett, but he's definitely yeah. got to, you know, he's got, everybody's got to get on the same page. You're right. And it's got yeah. to happen quick because we just got the email, right, last week that uh, all the dates, off-season dates. So they're going to be reporting in less than three weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, no question. So uh, that's on the horizon. It's going to happen, and you're going to want him to be in place. I will say – in terms of the Lamar Jackson situation, um, it look it's starting to look like the Falcons are a real player here, and there's some some movement that's been going on the last you know twenty four to forty eight hours that would suggest maybe something could happen there. 
Uh, I would imagine that they wait till after the draft to make an offer and then don't lose a pick this year and then hope that you're going to a much better team next year and the pick would be much lower. That would be, I think, probably the ultimate plan that they would try to put in place. Uh, but it does seem like there's some movement there. I will say some of the weird negotiating that's been going on this offseason, first of all, clearly, clearly, and again, it wasn't direct C-word collusion uh, with everyone. Don't don't freak out, Ari. C word is collusion. Uh, there wasn't direct collusion. I don't think. I don't think all thirty one, you know, thirty two owners are in a group text. The thirty one other owners in the NFL in a group text saying, "Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't sign them." I don't think that that's what happened. And I think it's anybody that says that, like, "Oh, you think that that happened?" No, that would be foolish. Don't try to diminish what is going on. There's an understanding around owners. They're like, just don't sign these massive guaranteed contracts. We don't want to set those precedents. We don't want Deshaun Watson to be, you know, the precedent for how contracts are done. So don't do it. So I think there is non-direct collusion going on. Uh, but let's just examine, like, how stupid is Jets' ownership when they are negotiating with the Packers? Everybody knows they're negotiating with the Packers. Lamar Jackson comes out and says, "I want to trade." And their immediate response is, we don't want him. Yeah, we have no interest. Who cares if you don't have interest? At least let the Packers think you might have interest. Yeah, play the game. What are you doing? So, to me, owners are so much more concerned with set, not setting a precedent of guaranteed contracts than they are their own self-interest. That is wild. Wild. You're that concerned with keeping the power away from the players, keeping the money away from the players, keeping it in your own pockets, that you're more worried about that than your own self-interest? What are you doing? Well, I, I have to wonder also that – you remember what Derek Carr said? He, he he mentioned that, you know, of all the – well, of who he was allowed to talk to and then afterwards once it was announced, but that he really felt the Saints wanted him there, right? So he – but remember – he he visited the Jets, so maybe by doing that, coming out, say he does. Maybe they're 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 gun shy in that. Well, we don't want to make it. We don't want to scare Aaron off. We want to make sure that he knows we're all in with him. Could be very. It could very well be like they're like. We don't want to play any game. We don't want to play head games and lose him. Well, you can call. He's on your side. He's already on your team. Yes, you but, can call him and say, "Look, Aaron, we're all in on you. We're going to do this just because we're trying to." And Aaron's not talking to the media. He's not going to put it out there. But, hey, Aaron, we're with you. You're on our team. You're our guy. But we're going to make the Packers think that we're in on Lamar. Don't worry about it, though. It's all fake. And, by the way, I don't even want to get – you mentioned Derek Carr. I listened to the entire podcast on his family his family podcast, which is still a silly thing. Um, He's got a family podcast. Sure. The Harvester Sports. Oh. It's the Carr family media. Oh, oh, oh. I Okay. Uh, that family, yeah. The I thought he he was very good for most of it. I think it was very relatable, very interesting. It was, you know, as good and relaxed as I've heard Derek in a long time. So I was happy for that part. But one of the running things on the on the podcast, and this just came out two days ago. If you want to go check it out, um, multiple occasions. They pretended to almost reveal other teams that were interested. So I'll I'll just play act for you right now. Okay. I'm Derek, and you're his nephews that are interviewing him. Yeah. 
And you're like, how was how was the just after? So how was the process? How was the how was how was the process and where you know? Oh, uh, you know, it was it was awesome. You know, I got to I got to go to New Orleans, meet with the Saints, and they really showed me a lot of love. And I went to the Jets, and they showed me so much love too. And um, it was very cool to have teams interested, like almost like college recruiting again. And then I went to visit. Oh, almost you almost got me. You almost got me. I almost revealed all those other teams that wanted me. I almost did it. And then, like five minutes later. He's like, you know, when I, went, I visited the Saints and I visited the Jets, and then, oh, I almost slipped up and said the other teams again. Oh man, oh, and like, and they were like, it. they're like, don't worry, Derek. If you do, we'll beep it out for you. We know those other teams. Like, we won't say them either. And then they they just kept pretending to almost mention the other teams. Bad script. It was it was very uncomfortable. Ugh. Very uncomfortable because there weren't other teams. Right and. What are you trying to accomplish? You you, I don't you found know. a new place. You found you, a, you, you got you're, more money than anybody you're, thought you would. You're moving to you're moving to the Big Easy. So don't don't get, what don't are we playing this up for. We don't need to play yeah. those games anymore. Yeah, and that's one of the things that drove people nuts here in Las Vegas. I say people, us, me, people around him a lot. Um, some of his teammates even. It's very. Um, Why are you doing that? You you're happy. You're in a new place. Like everything's great. It's very you don't deceitful. Need to do I don't know if his pastor would appreciate that. I don't think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Maybe he's – I don't know what's going on. Uh, the Raiders did, however, uh, re-sign Alex Bars today. And last night, they were able to get another receiver, DeAndre Carter. I think they've signed 14 receivers in the uh, in the last couple of weeks in free agency. So that is interesting, adding to that position group. Uh, but Alex Bars is back, a guy, another depth guy along the offensive line, a guy who was decent last year, and I would say – you know, as much as people have ripped the offensive line, the offensive line was very, very average. The kids say mid. The, the offensive line was mid, Willie. It wasn't terrible. It was fine. What is your over-under in terms of date that Hunter Renfro gets traded? I mean, I am I just keep checking my phone to see if it's happened yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is so, so March 31st? Got the kiss of death, I think, in Arizona during the owners' meetings when – Josh McDaniels raved about him. How <laughs> how excited he isn't for him this year. Oh yeah, that's just, uh, that that's wasn't it. that's it. That wasn't a great thing. That's I don't it. think. Uh, you know what is a great thing? Awesome movies, and we'll tell you an anniversary of a movie. And by the way, a movie that's coming out again very very soon. As we continue, Cofield and Company on this Wednesday. Cofield and Company is live on the road in Houston for the 2023 College Basketball Semifinals. Presented by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. It is Cofield and Company coming at you. Steve Cofield in Houston, be with us. In a little bit, live from the Final Four Radio Row. I'm sure he's very excited for me to join him in about 36 hours down there in Houston uh, to get ready for the Final Four, one of the best events to cover in all all of sports. Not necessarily, I don't rank the fan events or experience as a fan because it's been a while since I've really done it, but as media people, Combine number one, Final Four number two. What number is this for you? Uh, four, four, four or five. It's awesome. It's incredible. But it's it's very college basketball nerdy. Um, where you know the combine is very NFL nerdy. It's a convention. It's 
you know, literally every restaurant is just media people, scouts, GMs, uh, some prospects, you know, for players, things like that. Um, everyone there is NFL personnel, coaches, GMs, execs. That's all it is, NFL people. Same thing with college basketball. The Final Four, I mean, there's some fans around for sure, but it's basically just every college coach in the country, head coaches, assistant coaches, um, AAU coaches, but it's really just a convention of uh, let's get together, let's meet, let's go to some dinners and some parties, but let's talk about who's going to coach where, who's going who's gonna to meet who, who's going to join whose staff. It's just a mingling of college basketball coaches. You can watch it all go down. So it's a good time. I know uh, there's a couple local coaches who are looking to get back in the ranks that are going to be down there trying to maybe work for a job, and I'm going to hope to catch up with some of them and see how things are going. So um, a lot a lot to do in Houston in terms of college basketball nerdiness, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, movie nerdiness, I guess you could say. White men can't jump. 31 years old this week. Monday. 31 years old. That is wild. <clears throat> the new White Men Can't Jump is coming out. I've seen some previews, as others have. Do we need a remake of this? I'm not big no. on I'm not big on remakes. I'm not big on remakes in general. Now I'm a big Jack Harlow fan, so that's interesting. I thought he seemed okay in the in the preview. I don't think it's going to be amazing, but it could be okay. White Men Can't Jump the original, not okay. It was great. Right. It's, I don't think that it needs to be redone. I mean, it's it's it, think about the characters. It's very hard to it's gonna be very hard to redo. Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, Rosie Perez. It's just it, it's give them the chop. <laughs> it's great. There's so many great lines, so many great moments. Kadeem Hardison. Sure. Uh, you know, the Jimi Hendrix debate. Uh, the you know the gambling that goes on the. You know, Jeopardy storyline. Studying there's so many, Jeopardy, yeah. yeah. There's so many great, iconic parts of that movie. They don't need to redo it. But you said... And you know what, real quick, is Venice Beach, right? We've all been to Venice Beach. And then and you see different areas of Venice Beach. But once you saw White Man Can't Jump, I don't care who you are, the different areas of the hoop courts, the... the um, I can't even think of his name. But I know that when Jordan and I went down there uh, with the, with the guitar... The dude on the roller skates, like he's iconic. There's a mural of him on the wall. Sure, but the courts were not real. No, but what I'm saying is the area. No, no. With the background, like the no. background, so you know where the play, you know where it was set up. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I mean, I've gone many times, but I just went uh, this last. Uh, what was I down there for? NFL, I guess it was Raiders game would mm. have been, and uh, me and my colleague Sam Gordon went down there. Um, and you know, you just look around. And you're like, oh yeah, this is definitely where it's supposed to be. Now the yeah. courts weren't real; they were they're mo- they were temporary ones that they set up right. close to where the courts are in real life. But they set it up more uh, for filming to be a better. And I, I, there was something else. I I think it was the area of the beach where the courts were was going to be too slippery. There was some weird reason why they had to move it uh, to a different place. But yeah, different a different setup. Uh, but definitely cool to see the area and like the kind of the culture of it. And you see people still to this day. I I was like, I need to get some shots up, even though it wasn't the real court. I was like, yeah, you got to get out there and get some shots up. It was very, very cool experience. Uh, but you said, where does it rank as a basketball movie? How many basketball movies are there? First of all, I do have a you very have have controversial. Your... I have a very controversial take on basketball movies. Okay, Hoosier sucks. I, I, it's not at the top of mine, and it's not one of my all-time favorite sports movies in general. I have it in my basketball top ten, but it's not. It, to me, it's not like it's not the end all to be all. Now, one of my favorite movies of all time of any genre 
is Hoop Dreams. Okay. It's uh you know, documentary, but still yeah. absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And that's that's up at number one. Um I actually have a a movie that's a very child it's a children's movie essentially. Oh, why do I know what you're gonna say? But it's it's definitely it's among my favorite movies just from, you know, growing up and being around the family. It was it was called The Pistol, The Birth of a Legend. Oh, okay. Uh it's a Pistol P. Maravich movie about his eighth grade basketball season, which is actually um there's a lot a lot there. It's more than just the basketball. It's uh him and his dad's fight uh to have his all white school play against um a, a school that he thought was better players. Uh mm-hmm. that was, you know, more of a an integrated school. So um I I thought that was that was a very, very cool movie and it was like one of those movies that you love as a child. So you're like, this is gonna stick with me forever. So that's up there. Blue Chips is kinda up there. But I, I think I think I'll go third. Third best basketball movie? Or third favorite basketball movie is White Man Can't Jump. My favorite all-time movie. I, I I tossed I tossed this back and forth with one and two. Um, I I just really like Coach Carter. I just I I feel it's a you know based on true story. But I I like I just if it's on I'm not I'm not going to not watch it. And I also like He Got Game with Denzel. Oh, that's good too. Um, God. I will always be a fan, even though this is not a true story. For whatever reason, I'm just a fan uh, of the actors Omar Epps and Sanaa Lathan. But Love and Basketball is near my top. I also got Blue Chips up there. There's a movie. Um, oh, there, I just realized Above the Rim. What above am I doing? Rim. Yeah, Above the oh, Rim. I got to redo 10. my list. I have to um, Uncut Gems I threw in there. From okay. the gambling, but I, I, it's, it's the, just, the, the gambling is, it, is so bad. Yeah, it's just not it's so bad. But here's here here's a movie from way back. I'm got jabbed. Way back, 1979, Fast Break. It's a it's a it's a comedy movie, but uh, Gabe Kaplan's in it. Okay, Bernard well. King, Harold Sylvester. You're gonna count White Shadow as a TV show and White Shadow is one of the greatest all time shows. Of, I mean, I come my on dad, now. my dad's favorite show. It's a fantastic show. Carver <laughs> High. Come on now. Uh, I'd love a Carver High. My birthday's coming up. I'd love a Carver High hoodie. Ari, okay. get on that. Yes. Um, and I think Space Jam should be somewhere recognized. <laughs> the second one? I'm no. only for the new Space Jam. No, no, no. The new Space Jam is no. better than the old Space but Jam. But the, 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 he got game, Coach Carter, a top, loving basketball. Um, and you know what? Blue, chip, blue Chips sort of it, it paints the picture of, of right, prior to NIL and, 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 uh, and buying players and whatnot. Shaquille O'Neal was the only one that didn't want all the gifts. He was, was it Nick Novak, one of the tractor? Was that is that who that was? No, Ricky Rowe. I think it was Nick Novak. I think is that oh, who is played it, him? Is that who played him? Uh, yeah, from Indiana, friends with uh, he, Larry Bird took Nick Nolte's <laughs> character over there. Anthony no, Hardaway. it was Matt Nover. That's who it was. Matt Nover. I remember I now. Anthony Hardaway was in there. He wanted to back out of the deal. Oh yeah. So. Oh, it was good. Solid movie for sure. A lot of good basketball movies out there. We did not need <sighs> Penny. <laughs> was Butch McRae? Was that, was that Butch McRae? Uh, great stuff. Tweet we, we at us. Not... Tweet at the show. Who? What, what's your favorite basketball movie? We want to hear throughout the show what your favorite basketball movie is. Willie does. I don't. It, <laughs> either way. Uh, well, you know why? Because sometimes somebody will tweet something. And we're like, oh man, I forgot about that. Sure, somebody might have a favorite basketball movie, but Willie, what if what if somebody really didn't want to go see a movie this weekend? They wanted to go see the Vipers. Then they should be calling Ari. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because 
Ari is going to take caller number seven. Winner gets six-pack of tickets to see the Vegas Vipers versus the San Antonio Brahmas. Saturday, April 1st. That's his Saturday at noon. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. But you could call right now. Caller number seven. Get a six-pack of tickets. Cashman Field, Vegas Vipers, San Antonio Brahmas. It's a matinee game at noon. Cofield and Company is broadcasting live at the 2023 NCAA semifinals this Thursday and Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Brought to you by Finley Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow in the 215 and online at SubaruofLasVegas.com. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, as the voice said, I can say it also. Miles, how you doing, sir? He might be there. That's not Miles' fault, though. That's definitely Ari's. Maybe? Maybe? It's my fault. Here of he course. Is. Hey, there, it's not your fault, Miles. There we it's go. Ari's. There we go. <laughs> okay. We are good. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, I just got back from Phoenix, so I am now home in my humble abode, which is why I could not join you yesterday, as I usually do on Tuesdays. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Uh, we are good. I'm speaking for Willie. I say we are good. Uh, we okay. just heard uh, the commanders are good with their quarterback situation. Uh, uh. Are they? I mean, I guess they are. Look, the the funny thing here to me about like the, the commanders and then also the Falcons and the way that they've been reasoning their uh, lack of interest in Lamar Jackson is like the the weird. Okay, the, the I'll go specifically to Ron Rivera when he starts talking about how you know we see Sam Howell and you know we see a similar skill set to Brock Purdy and all of this and that and we look at Brock Purdy and we think, man, we've got a guy who's like that. I mean, like you might. But you don't have George Kittle. You don't have uh, Christian McCaffrey. You don't have Debo Samuel. You don't have Trent Williams. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You don't have as many ass kickers on defense as well either. So, I mean, you know, I'm just – I understand that there are myriad reasons why these teams aren't interested in Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, I, I don't know how you can look at Washington and have any sort of real confidence in what the, they can do this year. If you just start reading some of the things like that are, I mean, I know it, it takes a, a leap to kind of do this, but doesn't it feel like it's all building to him going to Atlanta at this point? D- uh, Lamar Jackson? Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> why? Why? Why do you think that? I'm, I don't I'm know. interested. I'm just. I'm. I just like. I'm feeling, just a a little bit of like swirling of social media of like it's kind of quiet. I don't know. There's just some things that I'm feeling are heading in that direction. Well, I mean, I still think if he plays this season, and I, I almost think we're in a uh, if he plays in 2023 kind of situation. And because, look, you, you can't rule anything in or out with Lamar Jackson, I think, right now, because he's an unpredictable actor. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I just mean that in a factual way. There's no way that anybody could have predicted that we would be here after Lamar Jackson won an MVP for the 2019 season. So that setting that in it, I mean, if Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract, I don't think he's going to get that from the Atlanta Falcons. And if he's going to not come off that stance, then I, I don't know where he would go. I mean, you had Jim Irsay 
literally say, I don't want to give out fully guaranteed contracts, right? You have Arthur Blank making BS excuses about injuries and whatnot. When, when it comes down to it, he doesn't want to give a fully guaranteed contract. So that's where, I mean, I don't think I, we know Baltimore doesn't want to do that either, but they're, it, because there's no been no real negotiation, right? It's not okay. Two sides are exchanging figures, and you know you get this and get that, and somebody has to give something up, and somebody else is gonna do this and whatnot. Like it just seems like Lamar Jackson is exactly on the stance of what he wants, and there has not been that much give and take. Because if there were, you would think that the Ravens would have worked something out with him already. I'll, I'll admit, I, it, it was to me, it was more the Calais Campbell thing of like, hmm. I feel like they okay. kind of are friends, and they wanted to kind of stay together. Like, why is he going to Atlanta? Oh, I mean, I don't know. He talked with Arthur Blank, and he loved the, the <laughs> off-the-field things that Arthur Blank would support him in, if you believe the reports that came out this morning. Are we are we wrong? We were just debating before you came on. Um, I think the Jets are just crazy in that they came right out and said, we don't want Lamar Jackson. Like, aren't you in the middle of, middle of a negotiation? What are you doing? You are well. I mean, it's what Joe Douglas said. I, I actually kind of believe it. you don't want to negotiate in bad faith. And you know, when you have somebody in Aaron Rodgers who is going to be on your team sooner than later, I mean, it's a matter of when, not if. You really aren't that interested in Lamar Jackson. And so, even though they kind of would have the cap space set aside, unlike other teams, because they're going to acquire um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and honestly, the cap space thing is a thing more than I think some people are getting uh, a credit for. I, I just feel like because we were so down the road with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, like that's not something that they're going to not do. Right? They, they understand that Aaron Rodgers intends to be there and they intend to have Rodgers. And I think sooner or later, you know, Woody Johnson may get impatient and have them just say, all right, pull the trigger, whatever it is that Green Bay wants, we'll just do it now so that we can have this over with and we can have the guy that we know should be our quarterback in 23. And Mike Florio wrote that they're making progress. Um, do you think that by the end of the week, uh, before the draft, obviously, but this deal is going to get done? Um, end of the week, no. Uh, before the draft, probably. I think... Yeah, you know, talking to some folks uh, from the New York market this week in Phoenix, it was kind of like, you know, Woody Johnson would like to have that press conference where he's got Aaron Rodgers sitting down and he is a jet and you can do the Jersey thing and all that. So I think that I, I don't think that the Packers are going to get a first round pick. I mean, maybe they get a conditional first, um, depending on what happens. But I think, you know, you go through that uh, Elijah Moore trade that the Jets made last week with the Browns. They now have two second round picks. I think the one is 43 and one is 44, or one is 42 and one is 43, whatever it is. I think that the Packers end up with one of those picks and then also maybe something like a five, a six, whatever. And then also a, a conditional pick or two um, in 24. I want to bring this up and Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us. Uh this is obviously one of my favorite subjects that people that listen know, but Josh Allen is an interesting topic right now. And I'll, I'll, I heard from, let's say, a very high-ranking NFL official that they think the Bills' window is closed because Josh Allen will never be healthy again, that he got so beat up this year, it's over. And they, they don't think Buffalo can win a title. And I, I just kind of brushed it aside and said, hey, I love hearing that, but I don't know it's true. 
But then Sean McDermott came out and said, I don't think Josh Allen can play quarterback this way anymore. Like, there might be something to this. Oh, I, I definitely think there's something to it. And look, Sean McDermott had a front row seat to Cam Newton for many years, right? I mean, when he was the defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. So if anybody understands what playing that reckless kind of style of football and I, reckless sounds pejorative, but it's it's not. I mean, it's just realistic. And I think the, the quote I saw from McDermott was, you know, if it's week two, we don't need you to run over a freaking linebacker, man. <laughs> like you got to. You got to pick your spots. And yep. I think the best quarterbacks are the ones who have been able to do that. But I mean, I think more than um, the way Josh Allen throws his body around that was concerning last year were the turnovers. And I don't know that there's been enough conversation about Josh Allen's propensity to put the ball in harm's way. And you know, I said that on PFT Live a few times and people in Buffalo got mad at me and started pointing out Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes interceptions. But it's not just the interceptions, right? It's the fumbles. Josh Allen was careless with the football way too much. And that's something that in addition to, you know, the throwing your body around, he had has to improve and I don't know if it's just that Brian Dayball is not there anymore or what but if the Bills window is going to stay open because right now as we sit here on March 29th I think that the Miami Dolphins should win the AFC East in 2023 but if that's not going to be the case and the Bills are going to continue to stay up and stay where they've been the last couple of years then yeah you, you have to have the best of Josh Allen and it's got to be consistent throughout the season only have about a minute left here real quick but uh in 30 seconds, Raiders, seven and a half win total. Over, under. Oh, under. <laughs> yes. Because I yeah. think they'll get to six or seven, you yeah. know? But, yeah, yeah I don't I don't know that how they're going to get many more than that. I mean, especially that division. The Broncos are going to be better with Sean Payton. The Chiefs are still going to be the Chiefs. And I don't necessarily believe that much in Brandon Staley, but I think Kellen Moore is going to do good things with the Chargers offense. There you go. Great stuff, as always. Miles Simmons, you can follow him up on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons. What else you got coming up? Uh, Peter King podcast latest episode dropped today. I believe you can check that out wherever you get your podcast. Good conversation with Rich McKay, the chair of the competition committee down there in Phoenix about the new rules and regulations for this year's NFL. Good stuff. Thanks, sir. Enjoy being back home for a little bit. We'll talk to you soon. Miles Simmons. Great stuff as always. And from one of our favorite guests to another, maybe our all time favorite guest, Justin Watkins joins us next.